You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to this week's episode of Best Camp of My Life, a podcast about MME. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. I'm your host, Fernanda Prates, unless you are a right-wing television pundit who makes their money by spreading misinformation, stoking anti-scientific sentiment, and generally pandering to a bigoted fan base, whether due to actual belief or just financial convenience. In which case, I'm still your host, Fernanda Prates, in the sense that I am Fernanda Prates and I do host the show, but I'm also not your host, Fernanda Prates, in the sense that I have nothing to say to you. Other than maybe, who hurt you? Why are you the way you are? Have you considered being literally anybody else? Is having a hand in the degradation and possibly literal collapse of our planet worth being able to afford all the, I don't know what these people buy, guns? Puppy mill dogs, stuff with Reagan's face on it, the feigned admiration of equally soulless social climbers who, like you, have given up on real human connection on behalf of a false sense of superiority that is sure to dissipate once the cameras are off, leaving you with nothing but residual checks, an irreparably broken moral compass, and the deafening sound of your own loneliness. I don't know, just speculating here. Maybe they just spend all their money on hair products. In any case, in the event that you are not an unscrupulous leech who holds no appreciation for anything other than themselves, welcome. I am indeed your host, Fernanda Prates, and though I can't promise you much about this show or about anything that has to do with me generally as a suitable human person, I can promise you this. This podcast is not a highly profitable grift, mainly because it's not highly profitable or profitable at all. There is no shady motivation for my presence here other than my desire to connect with you, my hope to maybe start important conversations in this space, and perhaps the existentially desperate attempt to ascribe meaning to my existence in a capitalistic society where your value as a person is tied to your ability to produce content. But also, while this particular show doesn't yet allow me to poison the intellectual well of entire generations, it does allow me to do something arguably cooler, to have great conversations with great people. And that, my friends, is what we're doing here again on this episode. Today, I am joined by the one, the only, P.T. Carroll. If you're listening to this, I probably don't need to tell you who P.T. is, but I'll do it anyway, because I guess that's my literal job. 
PT has had bylines pretty much everywhere, Fightland, ESPN, MMAfighting.com, and can be currently found at The Ringer and at the always entertaining MMA on Point YouTube channel. If you have had any contact with European MMA whatsoever, and I am guessing you have, you have either read, seen, or listened to PT in some capacity and have probably thought to yourself, well, that's a cool guy. I wish I could be as cool as him. Unfortunately, you can't because no one can. But at least we get to hear him talk for a few minutes today, and maybe people will think we're cool by association. <laughs> In any case, here's our chat. Enjoy it or don't. Just remember that publicly acting like a shit person for money is no different than being a shit person in essence. Well, it is my honor and privilege to welcome a guest who was once called the coolest man on earth by none other than Guilherme Cruz. Uh, welcome to the podcast, PT. Thank you so much. And I can't pronounce Guilherme's name that way. And I'm very jealous of that straight off the bat. But I've been very jealous of a lot of things, Fernanda, especially all these guests. I'm waiting on the call, waiting on the call. And then a Twitter user had to force you into this situation. But now it's here. I don't care how it's happened. I'm finally here. <laughs> I will I will defend myself, though. What happens is I just assume nobody ever wants to be on the show. And they just do it because like they want to they like me and they want to do it as a favor. And I was no. like, I don't know if PT likes me enough to do <laughs> the favor. Uh, and apparently you do. And we found out thanks to a, uh, the Twitter user whose, uh, Twitter handle I don't have here right now. So I'm sorry, but he they follows mean nothing us both. Now. Yeah. We're nothing now. <laughs> They've made it happen and now they're gone forever. <laughs> they serve their purpose, but they follow us both. So clearly it's a person, I don't know if men or woman or uh, non-binary, uh, individual of exquisite, uh, taste and sophistication. Uh, so thanks. And it was also facilitated by, uh, my one true religion, which is Bud Light. Like, I feel well. like if it wasn't for Bud Light, maybe we wouldn't be here today. Oh, another, that's right. Yeah. The Tom Aspel video thing. and the Bud Light. What terrible beers we gave him. What terrible, you, terrible beers. You gave him uh, Budweiser, like regular one, right? Bud Light? <laughs> yeah. I will not accept Bud Light slander, though. I know that it's a controversial uh, take that I have out of all the several that Bud Light is actually amazing, but Tom vindicated me there. Like, do you not, like, did, did you find that strange, like, um, you know, the first time I went to the States, I couldn't believe that all, all the beer at the bar was light beer. Like, I felt like every single beer was a light beer and then just a blue moon thrown in the mix. That's that's all I remember from my early trips to Vegas. The light beers? I think it's also yeah. like uh, a There were fights thing. too, but I forgot all about them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you don't get fights in bars and... I Oh, fight? You mean actual literal fights or like UFC fights? The, the UFC fights, Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Maybe this is like a bad thing to say, but I would guess that there are bar fights in Ireland. Uh, I say that yeah, as a compliment. Are. No, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> It's pretty to the point where it doesn't even mean anything. People are just like, oh, what happened there last night? Oh, this happened. No way. Next week. It doesn't matter. Moving on. <laughs> uh, maybe that's because you drink uh, beers that are too heavy. Maybe if it was like more light it's beers, keep it'd us be warm. more mellow. It's cold over here. We need something to, uh, for sustenance to keep us warm. That's what it is. It's nothing to do with us being alcoholics. I swear to God. <laughs> in, but that's the thing. So in Brazil, because it's hot, especially in Rio, like we drink lighter beers already. So I feel like the transition to Bud Light is just uh, that much smoother. 
But I feel like oh, I've I've said many incriminating things on this show, but like probably the fact that I'm a Bud Light stan is it's gonna it's what's gonna do me in. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is what gets me canceled today. This take, and it's all because of you, PT. Thank you so much. But I'll go, I'll <laughs> go out with so a bang. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go out with a bang with you being my last episode. I'll be happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I there's so much ground uh, that I want to cover today, but I guess. Let's start with some of the uh, happenings of the week. The first topic, I, I feel like I need to like let out a big sigh before, because it's like, I feel like it's so repetitive. Uh, just this last weekend, uh, Jared Kenanier, uh, UFC middleweight, one of the top UFC middleweights at that, uh, won his fight and proceeded to discuss in his post-fight interview, uh, talk about how he was broke. And when I say this becomes, this is repetitive, I think it's because it feels like it happens every weekend now. Like <laughs> a big <Yeah>. fighter, <laughs> right? Like finishes the fight, makes a comment about being broke, and all of the podcasts of the following week are uh, discussing it and uh, it's a never-ending cycle, and at the same time, it has to be discussed because it's fucking absurd. Um, Jared went on uh, the MMA Hour and sort of clarified his comments on what he means, and kind of he was very—he's not reasonable about a lot of things. I'll say that. Jared <laughs> 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 Kenanier has been unreasonable about certain topics in the past. Uh, I met him in person, by the way, and I had like a lovely conversation uh, with him about feminism, uh, whether you believe it or not. At no, a hotel I don't. Lobby. But- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't at all. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I understand he's, he's definitely he's a wide range of topics he likes to cover. So I'm not ruling it completely. <laughs> like crystals, and I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> like whatever conspiracy was happening on his Twitter uh, for a little bit, but he was very reasonable on this particular uh, topic. And he was talking about, you know, people might see my, my sort of salary, whatever we can even call it that because they're not actual employees, but you can see my, my purse and think it's a lot of money, but you know, it's really not when you take away everything that comes with being a, a professional fighter and a trainee and, mm contingencies right because that's the one thing that i think a lot of people kind of forget when we have this conversation one thing he said that really struck me is like i should have like savings uh Mm -hmm. his literal words where i should have six figures in my account that i don't even need to touch uh i shouldn't have to worry about if i get injured and i can't fight anymore what the hell am i going to do unfortunately that is a situation that a lot of fighters are in that i'm in myself that's the transcript from mma fighting um i guess I don't, I don't even know what to say about this topic anymore because we keep no, having the same conversations. But I guess, how do you how do you even take this sort of thing coming from such a high-level fighter in the UFC at this day and age? And I guess, do you see you know, this becoming a problem that actually has a solution? Well, it's just a really bad optics problem for the UFC as far as Mm -hmm. I'm concerned now because they keep on talking about how they're breaking into the top four, you know, the NBA, the NFL, um, the MLB and all this stuff. And then when when you hear about like, okay, we had Cannon Air last weekend, I believe the week week before that I heard Misha Tate talking about how, you know, she only took home 4% of a $200,000 payday. And then it was Cheyenne Boys, right, who was the co-main event uh, a few Mm -hmm. weeks back talking about how she had to borrow 20 grand to get through 
fight camp. I mean, that just doesn't look good. That That is the opposite of what people think of when they think of a major sport. And really, Fernando, for me, the thing that annoys me about it the most, I put up a post, exactly what I just said there. I just said, you mm-hmm. know, this doesn't look good for the UFC. It's happening every week. It's the fans' replies that really piss me off. I mean, I, like, I know there is fantastic MMA fans. Believe me, I know I've met them. I, I mm-hmm. regularly talk to them. But there is something going on on social media. I hope it's just like a troll or it isn't real. But I, I doubt that it is that. I think it is. these are real people and they genuinely feel like a main event fighter should be happy enough to get, you know, 300,000 over the course of two years of fighting in main event uh, slots. And I just think it's ridiculous. And until they change, I don't think the UFC will feel the need to change. If those same people were kind of getting behind the fighters, the people who are putting their health on the line here, mm-hmm. you know, if they were getting behind them, the true entertainers of this sport, I think it would be a different story. I just feel like they're kind of enabling the UFC when they constantly seem to support the brand over the, the fighters themselves. Yeah. And, and you said to yourself, like, oh, maybe it's a troll, like maybe it's trolls. And often when we have these conversations about sort of like people being trash on Twitter or whatever, like there's a lot of that argument, like, oh, maybe it's, it's just a loud minority. Like, and I go back and forth in this because there is a lot of that conversation about whether it is like a people problem, a culture problem, a society problem, an MMA problem. <laughs> like, do you even know what part, what, how much of this is the sport sort of fostering a toxic environment where people just like have bad takes all the time? Or is it like, oh, it's just the world and MMA is like a microcosmos of it. And honestly, I don't know how to answer. I don't know if, if you feel like MMA is particularly worse. I think we're both like, I go back to like, and I think about soccer culture in Brazil and it's super toxic as well. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's like, it's not an MMA thing. Maybe it's like a world thing. And I feel like it's worse because I am so deeply enmeshed in the MMA universe, but I don't know. Do you feel like MMA have a, has like a shit take problem? <laughs> I think it's, do you know what it is? Uh, uh, now I could be completely wrong with this, Fernanda, but yeah. if you remember back in the very early days of the UFC, they actually, a lot of their moves are dictated by what the fans say. Mm-hmm. And I think it's given the fans, um, even though it's many generations ago, probably 20 years ago, but it's given this fans a sense of power that that they dictate what happens here. And it's the way they say things as well. It's not like they're offering opinions. There's like, this is the way it is. They should shut up and do this. I, I don't know if it's something to do with that. Mm-hmm. And as well as like to the point of soccer and even over here, we have like rugby and things like that. Like, at least they're earning, like, hundreds of thousands a week. You know, mm-hmm. if you're talking about Premier League, if you're talking about elite soccer players, as we're talking about Jared Cannonier, he would be, say, like, an international footballer, a guy who's yeah. playing on the starting 11 of elite, an elite team. He's earning 100,000 a week, whether he plays or not in that yeah. circumstance. So I, I think people can understand it a bit more with these superstar soccer players they are held to a higher account. But it's it's actually like you can understand the frustration of a fighter. Their life is under this spotlight. They're under the microscope. They have this thriving fan base that want to know what these fighters are doing at all times. And at the end of the day, they're still struggling to pay their mortgages. Yeah. Like that's, a, that's a really tough situation to be in. And that's why I sympathize more with the, the lack of support they're getting as opposed to, say, a soccer player or something like mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah, and like they have USADA on their asses the entire time, like all these things that are intrusions in the everyday life of a person for a amount of uh, 
rewards that don't necessarily match with the pressure mm. and the expectations and the consequences, honestly, of what they do. Because that's the thing we, that I think we lose sight of. When you're speaking about it from the media point of view, and you're right, right? This is something that we say all the time. And I think, you know, sometimes you get, you know, people online saying, oh, it's enough of that, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But like, who is going to say it if we don't at this stage? Yeah. Because the managers aren't saying shit. The fighters are afraid to talk. You could even see Kanye in the Helwani interview the other day. Mm. He's nearly doubting himself as he says it. You know, he's nearly, at the end, he said something. He was going to make a point. Well, the way I feel about this. And then he stopped himself. He said, no, no, that's just the way it is. Oh, and you're like, I didn't you have see to be, You have to be walking on eggshells all mm-hmm. the time talking about this. And this is your livelihood. And, you know, you're sewn up in the contract anyway. Uh, it is on the fighters now to do something you feel. But unless... Unless we talk about it at this stage, I don't know who else is. Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't. That's the thing. I didn't watch the interview. I just saw the transcript. So I, mm. th- but you know exactly what's going through their minds as they're saying this, right? Like they're thinking, "Oh, this is going to be news, and the UFC is going to think I'm like trashing them or whatever," and uh, they know probably that they can suffer consequences for that, and it's fucked up. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it's, I don't know. Like, I feel like the UFC is such a stranglehold on it. It's still completely mm-hmm. on their terms. You know what I mean, Fernando? Like, yes. I mean, nobody can say shit really because there's so many fighters and they're so interchangeable to the, the powers that be. Mm-hmm. It's a very tough situation. Obviously, the union is the, the go to answer here, but the, the yeah, amount but- of red tape people have to go mm-hmm. through, the amount of time that's going to take, the amount of relationships that need to be forged the amount of things that people need to agree on it's just a shame that it always feels as though every time one of these things gets going it's just shut down in the matter Mm -hmm. of a couple of weeks it feels like you know which is which is quite depressing i'd say for fighters yeah and the idea that you mentioned of like the fighters sort of becoming interchangeable uh i my personal feeling is that it's getting worse um Mm. right like as the the product um you know now and this is another like co- kind of like recurring topic of conversation in MMA media, but like the way that uh, the way that the ESPN deal changed things and the way that they are putting out the product now and with the contender series, like on the one hand, yeah, like it's a way, it's always nice to have a way to showcase talent and you have these up and coming guys who get, you know, a window that maybe they wouldn't without products like this. But then at the same time, it kind of makes gives it a puppy mill sort of feel to the UFC. I don't know. I feel like they're constantly, I feel like at this point it feels like they know that they can get away with pretty much whatever, like that we are just going to consume the product. Um, And one thing that Aaron Bronstetter said that I really agree with, that at this point the UFC is the star of the UFC. And I don't know if that's the feeling you get as well, but. Yeah, it just, you know, it just frustrates me when it comes up because every time Dana's asked about it, mm. he kind of gets abrasive, he gets a- aggressive about it. He's like, well, you start a promotion. The thing is, <laughs> they're the only promotion that are in the space that can probably do something special here. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the only ones that can actually dictate how, how they could change this. And, and really for me, you know, it, it's it's silly because this doesn't solve everything. But when you're in a co-main event or a main event spot and it's nearly a million people are watching it, there should be just, this is how much you get for that. Like, you know, like people will know no matter what, if you're in the co-main or, or main event, as we saw with Cannoneer and obviously mm-hmm. Cheyenne boys, they should expect a certain amount of money for that. You know, I, I I know that doesn't heal everything. That doesn't sort it all out. But I definitely feel like we could be making a better effort or at least the UFC could be making a better effort here. Yeah. 
switching uh, gears just a little bit about an upcoming event that I wanted to get your opinion on because uh, it's yet another one of those um, hot MMA topics, the current uh, trend of fighters fighting boxers slash YouTubers uh, and making money from it, which I don't know. I, I'm this weekend in particular, um, we're getting Tyron Woodley versus I'm, I want to say Jake, Jake Paul. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you I, sound pumped. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> honestly, I'm not, not pumped. That's the thing. I don't even hate it. That's the, I'm so indifferent. I'm like, these are adults consenting adults who are making money. Like what the fuck? Like if I don't want to watch it, just don't watch it. I don't know. I'm, I'm very indifferent, but I wanted to get your, your take on this, uh, not necessarily this particular fight, but the whole phenomena. I I detested it from the get go. Really? So this is the problem, and now I look like I'm I'm in. Like I'm both feet <laughs> in. I'm like watching these analysis videos. I'm like, why am I even watching this? I'm sitting there I'm like, oh, what does Tyson Fury's dad think of Jake Paul v Tyron Woodley? I have no idea what's wrong with me, but I'm gonna watch it. I'm not gonna lie. And, and to be honest, I like Jake Paul goes out of his way to be the lit the most obnoxious little shit you've ever encountered <laughs> in your life. And he succeeds every time. Every yes. time I see him, I'm like, oh my God, if the money was right, I'd get in there you know, and get KO'd like the rest of them. But it's he frustrates me to a point where I know I'm going to have to watch it. Mm. I know somewhere inside me, my heart is yearning for Tyron Woodley to go out there and stretch him out. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's pure, like it, it's, I suppose it's pure entertainment, but Mm-hmm. At the same time, this little shitbag could be the guy <laughs> who forces the UFC to somehow pay these people yeah. more. Like, he is the most prominent guy that is talking about this right now. Look at the way you segued that in there, Fernando. My God, you knew it was coming back to this. <laughs> We're talking about pay, and then it's going to come to the redeemer of all fighter paychecks. Yes. Jake Paul, the problem I'm a child. genius. I, I knew that that's where you were going to go. Uh, I I saw this whole thing. I really am that smart. Um, <laughs> I love thing. that he comes across, though. This is it. Like I love that he comes across now. Like He's taking a pay cut so all the rest of the fighters on the card can get better paid. Like, act, like I mean, that's a mm-hmm. great gesture. But let's be honest. Like If you've read up on the guy, he's a bit of a shitbag. You know what I mean? Like, if yes, you, if absolutely. He, says a che- he has a bit of a checkered past. Like, the, yeah. the idea that he's being held up like this... Uh, this <laughs> this evangelist yeah. <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's pretty ridiculous but that's what makes it funny to me that dana white who is also kind of held aloft for the great things he's done and he has done great things in the sport every time we we criticize him everyone's like mm-hmm. but the sport wouldn't be here if, if it, it wasn't, wasn't for, for dana, dana white <laughs> and i'm like it kind of feels like a mirror image for some reason jake paul and dana white and the fact that they hate each other really excites me <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful read and i absolutely agree he like jake paul he became sort of the personification of that meme like the worst guy you know just made a very good point <laughs> like he made he made his brand at this point i everything then he tweets something about fighter pain i'm like it, this is brilliant because what he's saying is a obvious like b uncontroversial like what is that gonna do for him in terms of damage nothing he's gonna get a few angry mma fans like yelling at him on twitter like i don't i'm gonna go ahead and guess he doesn't care and he and i absolutely like this 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 idea that you just said of him kind of being like a mirrored a bizarro image of dana white in a way it's beautiful (laughs) it truly is poetic 
and that's that's the thing. Like I I don't have to watch the fight, and I never make plans to watch them. But I know I'm gonna watch it. Like I know I'm not gonna pay for it. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> whoa, whoa, I'm, Dana, I'm gonna pay for it just in case you're looking into things. I pay for them all, mate. Every single one. Of them. <laughs> Sorry, uh, legal just uh, gave me a text, and uh, we're gonna have to delete that part i will absolutely pay uh several dollars uh, to watch this but i think so much of it is based on like just fomo uh like i everybody's watching so i need to watch it too and that's really a marketing like the whole thing is just horrifying and beautiful at the same time doesn't he have like the younger version of trump's haircut as well is that just me or does jake paul have the same kind of thing going on where he's covering a receding hairline with Mm. this forward projection of hair and it just i've just this just occurred to me yesterday Uh, so tell me if i'm wrong but i do feel like he's masquerading a receding hairline with a massive quiff massive kind of (laughs) mess of hair there at the front much like former president donald trump <laughs> i just had to google young trump which is something i was not expecting for my day uh so thank you for that and i do now i have to agree with you the receding hairline though had had been noticed uh by my husband he had mentioned something to that effect i think the other day like is it just me or is jake paul trying to cover something up up there and i'm like you know what, what? You know, he, he has his moments. He has his moments. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm not a man. I can't relate to that struggle. So I'll just leave it alone. But uh, well, I'm kind of going through a similar thing, but I just haven't reacted in that way. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I haven't gone to that extent. I mean, I'm, I'm, like, I mean, at that stage, I'm just shaving it off. You know what I mean? I'm not going to yeah. be able to hang around. I'm not going to be able to play this game. I have five minutes to sort this mess out in the morning. And when that when it goes beyond the five, shave it right off. But Jake, there's pride there in that hair. And like, like Trump, someone told him it was his most redeeming characteristic. And now he just has to stick with it, I think. This is my, this is my brand. <laughs> A, a very controversial take uh, on this show. You might also get some internet backlash for this. We'll see. Boy, because slagging his hair? Jesus Christ. So <laughs> just, no, I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't, it's not my place to speak uh, as a, not a man, because the plight of the straight man is something that I can. <laughs> the white let's, straight let's man. Let's get into that, shall we? <laughs> it's something that I absolutely uh, sympathize with, because. <laughs> Must be a very tough way, but now I will need more sympathy. I, I, they do. You do. I will. I will absolutely uh, think about that as I go to bed tonight. But now I can only see young (laughs) Trump, so that's this is going to be a whole new experience for me uh, watching this on Saturday. Um, uh, briefly before we move on to talking about your life, because I like prying. That's what I do and gossip. I. We t- I, I asked you briefly about Tough, and you told me you watched some of the fights while I just spaced through the fights and saw the rest. So I feel like That's amazing. No, I actually am excited to talk to you about this because, because I, I, I've, I've got a few things. I think a few things early on turned me off, but you are, you're genuinely, I think, the expert of the ultimate fighter uh, in terms of MMA media this time around. I don't think anyone questioned that. Because I was, I committed to recaps and three episodes in, I could not get out of it. <laughs> I probably could, but you know, you know, if we just talked about this, like, I feel like we might have the same sort of type of personality. Like now I'm committed. I'm going to see this thing through. And it ended up becoming a thing that I had to do every week. 
Yeah. Uh, I actually did a similar thing for voice back in the day and I did exactly the same thing. One day I just didn't file it and they were like, where's the ultimate file thing? And I was like, oh, you for real, man. I had really so much it. self-respect that day. Yeah, I was just like, mate, are you serious? I was like eight episodes in, just stop that day. Nah, fuck it. Like, literally, if anybody complains that it's not there, I'll do it. And it's like, <laughs> no one complained. Yeah. Uh, I only got like noticed that somebody was reading it when like somebody complained about a thing I said. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. are you just <laughs> saying really offensive things in the hopes that you'll find out if people care about this season? Yeah, like, I'm just going to plant this in here. Over here back, it means somebody cares about the <laughs> ultimate fighter. I did say offensive things because I said, uh, fuck horses. I think they're asshole animals. <laughs> I said fuck snakes <laughs> I really hate yeah. snakes And uh, I said that I'm not fond of babies Which is you know, <laughs> It's all in there <laughs> Those recaps oh, went boy. places um, So if you're at home uh, Looking for to catch up on tough uh, I can't tell you a single thing About the fights But cause, Look uh, Everybody had cover coverage of the fights uh, Alex K. Lee was doing them For fighting and who am I to compete? Don't get me started on that guy. With, <laughs> with <laughs> Alex Kaylee. Uh, we've we've been on a we've hit we've we were good friends, but we hit a rough patch after my between the links uh participation where he uh he defeated me. And I'm um I'm very proud of I heard of it's person. all a fix though. I, Alex <laughs> I think it that's is. That's my theory, because I went one to two and that's like literally impossible. Like objectively I should have won them all. So <laughs> I'm calling bullshit shenanigans every <laughs> single thing that can possibly be called. There's something going on there over there. Heck, uh, and, and Kaylee have something going on. It's fishy. It's fishy. Uh, but yeah, so he was writing and like a junkie had recaps, everybody of the fights. And I was like, you know what? I won't even bother. <laughs> but there were good fights this season. Did you watch the Ricky Tercios ones? He had two yes, like, yeah, great bangers. He's, uh, he's, I agree with you that he is definitely the most captivating character. He reminds me of like a more grounded and far more positive Diego Sanchez. Is that wrong? Oh, Have I taken that up wrong? No, now that you mention it. Yes, absolutely. He's a very positive guy. Like, I mean, I feel like I could be having a bad day and Ricky be mm-hmm. like, come here, Pete, just let me sit you down and let me hit you with a few hot facts. <laughs> now. And I'm like, nice one, mate. Do we have to fight? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill you. And <laughs> when he, that happens. And he defines himself off. as like an, a spiritual fighter or something like that. So that I don't. Yeah. Mm, like I like him. I love that. Actually, the, are we allowed to say like what the situation is or no? Like Which, in terms of results. Oh yeah, I mean it's done, isn't it done? All right, yeah, of course. weekend. So I love when Ricky done. got in the ring and his face like destroyed for his face off there you just on the last episode. His <laughs> nose was like I don't even, and I think like it had been destroyed twice because he fought like Dan Arguedo or something, and like it ruined it, and then he fought. I am blanking. Was it Murdoch? Was he the one who beat Murdoch? No. See, this I have shit memory, but uh, that's why I don't like saying things. Usually, the things I say. I are can't wrong. pronounce the guy's name. It was Ludwig something. Ludwig, yes, Wasn't I it? have. Uh, yeah, Ludwig. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, Ludwig shit something. Yeah, let's not try that. We're both gonna just be very. Ludwig, bad at I believe he prefers to be called anyway. So that we're just doing him good by saying Ludwig. Ludwig. That's what he likes to be. And called. it's a very distinguished. Name. Isn't it Beethoven's name or something? Like it's distinguished. Sounds like it could be a composer or a sculptor. <laughs> <It's beautiful. laughs> 
<laughs> it sounds like let's just settle with that. But yes, so Ricky, he was awesome and hilarious. And I kept joking that if he started a cult, I would follow it. And I'm only half joking. Um, but I feel like I don't want to commit to liking a fighter too much ever anymore. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he can't do shit. Here, hang on a second. I'm the guy who was covering Conor McGregor before everyone. How do you think I feel? I just bury my head in the sand every every night. I'm like, please no delete tweets, mate. Come on. I'm so glad I don't work for a news agency anymore. I have to wake up and write this shit. Oh my god. Oh, what happened you, there? You, you, you've done my segue for me because I was like, I'm in my mind. I'm thinking, I'm sure PT can't stand being on a podcast anymore and being asked about Conor McGregor. No, I don't mind. Jesus Christ. I mean, because it's, it's the- like a reality TV show at this stage. <laughs> but how much of your career covering MMA has been going on shows and talking about Conor McGregor, though? I'd say 99.5%. <laughs> I had to make my own podcast to try and balance it out a bit and just never mention him. Who? Never heard of him. Move it on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, now it's actually... It's funny, right? Because now he's probably like a bigger commodity than he mm-hmm. ever has been. But it's really like not like that in Ireland now. You know, it's kind of he's like he's like it, you get to a certain point of saturation and a certain mm-hmm. moment of fame in Ireland and people just stop liking you. It happened with you too. Now it's happening with Conor McGregor. For I would argue different reasons. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny that they both result in the same thing though. What's that Bono doing? Charity again, is it? The dickhead. Forcing What's he helping Mozambique? Our, forcing their songs into our iTunes. <laughs> yeah. Fucking you too. I don't want a red fucking iPod, you dickhead. I want a normal silver one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was legit thinking about it because I've always like and and you you get that I think more than I do because for for a while I was like the Brazilian person like mm. me and Guy uh, Guy was mm. there before I before me so like he got to take most of the um, jobs yes but also, <laughs> 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 uh, Guy, so we had we shared the Brazilian uh, person speaking about Brazil responsibilities and then later I became the woman person so it's like International Women's Month or whatever and people have me on their shows to talk about how being a woman <laughs> sucks like that became my, my public it's beat it's, uh, it's, it's a thing that happened yeah yeah, yeah. it's a thing that happened it was like, and I was like oh, you know what somebody's gotta do it so might as well be, be fucked me. up if they brought me on right on International <laughs> Women's Month. They're like, Pizzi, what's this crack, man? It's fucking terrible, isn't it? And I'm like, it's awful. It's fucking terrible. I mean, I'll bring I'm not- all my friends now. <laughs> you know, I've been around women my entire life, and uh, and I think that's all we need another white guy's perspective on uh, <laughs> yeah, our exactly, life. Pizzi. Exactly. I'll, I'll pitch you next time they invite me. Thank you. <laughs> like I've lived it, but I have somebody who might be able to have like a better understanding. <laughs> of my experiences and that's exactly. uh pt carol but <laughs> but um you were you are still very much uh european mma guy <laughs> right i tried um, to yeah i tried to go for a continent over the one person that was my that was my goal i was like maybe if i just don't talk to him and talk to everyone else they'll forge a new identity for me <laughs> to everyone else who isn't connor yeah <laughs> but you so uh, what was Let's do a timeline here about mm. like sort of your journey in MMA. I know because I was like, it's gonna sound stalkerish, but I was listening to like you and other podcasts, um, 
Because I'm a reporter. I investigate. That's what I do. I, I listen I to your podcast all the time. What are you talking about? Don't Aww. make me feel weird about that now. No, that's not weird. Uh, it's weird that I crammed. I had like... <laughs> <laughs> For like three days, I've been listening to your voice only. Uh, so that's oh, God, love you. a little a little creepy, maybe, but I meant well. And you were talking about sort of your beginnings, and I felt like they had a little bit like uh, similarities to mine because you mentioned sort of being on a paper and then being like, okay, we need content. And you're like, oh, I know this fighter person. Like, I can write about them. Like, sort of write plays right yeah, time like, kind yeah. of thing right is that how you sort of got your your and i know you your brother is also uh part of it but like is that how you sort yeah. of got your feet wet when it comes to mma yeah i felt like did, did you ever see dodgeball the film no unfortunately well, which is weird because i feel like it really appeals to my uh sensibilities in many it's ways fa it's fabulous yeah but there's a there's the whole thing is like mm. that dodgeball is such a a terribly supported sport that it needs to be on ESPN, the Ocho, as in ESPN 8. Mm -hmm. And they used to, that's what they used to call me in the local paper oh, around okay. here because I find sports <laughs> that nobody has any interest in. I'd be like, yeah, okay, let's go with that then. <laughs> and I just had in this abundance of fighters. And um, so that's how I got in. My brother was training in SBG, just jujitsu though. Mm -hmm. And he kind of had a good foot in because there was nothing really online at the time. Like, you kind of had to be part of the community and all was going on. So he kind of eased me into it. And luckily enough, it was the golden era of Irish MMA when I just walked in. I mean, the likes of Conor McGregor, Ashley Daly, uh, Paddy Houlihan, Neil Seary, all that era, Carl Pendrick, all of those people, they, they were on their ascent. So I was very lucky that I just started covering their fights, you know, when they were like 1-2-0, and oh, and they ended up going, you know, first to Europe and taking over Europe and then to the UFC and Connor did what he did. So I was kind of just the go-to guy in Ireland then, you mm -hmm. know, um, I was the only one that had been covering it for the national papers. Then we went in with severe MMA who were obviously um, just focused on the Irish MMA scene and they're still doing great things. Mm -hmm. And then from around the time when Connor started getting popular, I got some opportunities with the, with the likes of voice. Mm -hmm. And then I eventually, I was, I think I was working for, Voice, the Daily Mail, the Irish Mirror, um, Sharedog. And then, luckily enough, I got the opportunity of MMA fighting in 2017. Again, before this Mayweather-McGregor fight. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all, all of it, like, big opportunities have come to me because... I have been like, you know, along for the Roy O'Connor's career, but um that so it's it's a weird one, right? Like when you say, have to, like sounds like a double edged sword. <laughs> yeah, of course, because you know the people, I know his family, like and you gotta be critical as well when yeah. things happen and things have mm -hmm. happened. Like you cannot talk about Conor McGregor's success without the controversies anymore. Yeah. You just can't. It's all part of the story. So um that there was obviously a lot of growing pains there, especially around the Habib fight, mm. um things that were happening outside the Octagon. Um, probably beyond that fight and maybe ahead of the, the Mayweather fight got very difficult. It still is, mm -hmm. but um, it is the job, you know, and you can't, you can't just be sitting there th giving him the thumbs up as he wins world titles and then say absolutely nothing when, when terrible things have, have happened in the past, like the bus incident, the, mm -hmm. the guy in the bar, things like that, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the thing, I think, not only with Connor, and I wanted to ask you about that, because in general, MMA media has this sort of weird relationship with everyone, <laughs> fighters, promoters, fans, mm. in that we are expected to sort of be more PR than everything else. Um, yes. And there are several reasons for that. I personally think the fact that it was such like a niche 
it's still kind of it's still this niche uh mm. but like the fact that it was so attacked early on i think it kind of created the sense of like community and like we need to protect it like like that was our role like right help it grow and um you know that's not the role of media at all but with you working a specific market and i say this because i had my market with brazil in growing certain relationships not just with connor but like having sort of maybe a closer kind of relationship with fighters and people who just interview them like you know every once in a while for their shows how hard um has that part of it been for you to like balance sort of being an actual journalist with those relationships you've formed I think it's like anything you get better at it, um, you know, and you have to kind of create boundaries, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe they weren't there early on and you kind of had to establish them later on because you've probably like, y- you know, I've learned that, okay, that's too far. This is too, you know, yeah. like it's, it's not no huge incidents or anything, mm-hmm. but, um, you can find yourself in the midst of a story when you should be just writing about the story. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> when the fight you're covering is asking, "Oh, what should I do here?" You're like, "Mate, oh I can't. yes, has been I, has I happened." Play this game. <laughs> yeah, it happens to everyone, and, and you're right in what you're saying about the sport being so young. And I think you can see that even in terms of the hierarchy and the, the positions within the sport, mm-hmm. you know, you still have situations where the promoter is the manager of the fighter or the the manager of the fighter is also the coach of the fighter. And, and these seem very innocent at a, a very early level in the sport. Mm-hmm. But then when you graduate to the big levels and your coach is getting his 10% and he's getting the 15% for the management and he's never sorted you out with a sponsorship in his life, mm-hmm. it's just the way this thing has sat. I think that's where it gets complicated. And I do still think like the, the sport still needs to grow. And, um, you know, maybe th- those things will figure themselves out over time. But I do think like knowing journalists that cover all different sports, I think it's a common issue across all sports okay. for journalists anyway, mm-hmm. you know? The, with the, the sort of relationships, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, a, you know, you, you get to know someone when you speak to them an awful lot. That's just the way it is. You know, even, even setting up interviews, you yes. have to have some kind of discourse and it creates a relationship. And then, um, if, if something gets a lot of traction when it goes out with the fighter, they're going to be coming back to you like, let's do this, let's do that. And it just has a way of of becoming a bigger thing, re- relationships have developed. But I think uh, probably after I've, I've been in it 12 years or so now, I think you just kind of learn to, to establish boundaries. And you're not so conscious about them even when you're doing it. It's just the way you go about your business at this stage. Yeah. For me, it's always been like sort of a struggle personally. Like, oh my God, like I know these people, like you try to do the right thing and like do like perform your role as a journalist and be fair. And ugh, I, that's why I'm kind of bad at being a journalist. <laughs> no, I, I, my, my, one of my great, uh, you know, I think Ariel Hawani and, and Philip O'Connor, my two great mentors in the sport and very yeah. lucky to know them and very lucky to be championed by them for so many years. But Phil always told me, Phil works for Reuter, uh, Reuters, one of mm-hmm. the biggest news, the biggest news were in the world. And, and Phil's known for taking hard lines against people. Mm-hmm. He's also known to champion lesser known sports stars a lot in, in this big publication. And he's always like, it's perfectly fine to have a good relationship you know, very friendly relationship. Yeah. But they got to know at the same time, mm-hmm. the second they fuck up, you're going to be there. Yeah. And you're going to have to give it to people. Like that's yeah. the way, that's the way it is. It's nothing personal whatsoever. This is just the job. And I think if you can 
negotiate the job with that in mind. Yeah. And, you know, if if this conversation ever happened with a fighter, you get the opportunity to tell them, like, look, if if you do something horrific, I'm going to have to talk about it. I'm going to have to give my feelings, going to have to opine about it. Once everybody knows that, everything's all good. Yeah. That part's, it's a little trickier in practice than it is in Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Ah, oh, I've had countless arguments before, <laughs> you know, countless. Like, um, but it's it's kind of, do you know, like they the the fighters are so sensitive. And yes. I think that's great, and I do mm-hmm. think that's really good. It gives it's us a good, good content, be. by the way. Yes, but. yeah. But the 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 scale of what they get annoyed about is unbelievable. <laughs> right. like, I mean, yeah. if you got the record, you you won more loss than they should have had on the yes. record, or or said something horrific about their family, they come at you with the same energy. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's just always the same. So that's something to get used to do, I suppose. By the way, getting records wrong was the thing that always got me the most shit when I was working at MMA Junkie. Not even from fighters, from readers. I write like yeah. this whole fucking thing about this fighter who's like, I don't know, fa- whole family died in a fire, whatever, like tragic <laughs> shit. And I get the reply like, oh, you got the record of this one character that you briefly mentioned wrong by of like that was the one thing that i knew i was gonna get shit for in every fight (laughs) but you you are (laughs) and we see it a lot like on uh twitter just like some and you know i get it because we're all human and we have like personal reactions to certain things but at the same time i think sometimes it's really irresponsible especially when it's a fighter with a huge platform because you're putting like uh what's the recent one patty pimblett well, fucking yes. poor, fucking poor Marcel. <laughs> like, okay, and yeah. if we can. Uh, I think the whole situation, like, we can discuss so many things about it, right? Like the way that these uh, fight announcements or fight cancellation announcements are made, and you know the sources that you need to have, and the way that the communication happens, and everything else. But like, at the end of the day, when you're a person with like a big platform and you're like putting people on blast, like I'm like ah. Did we do we yeah. need to do this? Two wrongs don't make a right here at all. Like that's the way I was looking at it, right? Like uh, like Marcel outlined how he went about it. Mm-hmm. I I think you know w- it, look when you were working for Junkie and when I was working for Fight and I love mm-hmm. Marcel. I think he's a great lad. But if we came to our editor with a story where yeah. just one manager when rang us and mm-hmm. they're like, "Let's go with this," like mm-hmm. they wouldn't they wouldn't allow that. They wouldn't allow us to report it. Um, so I think, you know, that that's fair. Like, that's that's probably something. And I think Marcel pulled himself on that. Yeah. Um, but then it's Paddy, like, huge platform. One of the most talked about fighters that's coming into the UFC now. And he's very good with his fan base, right? Like, he's yeah. constantly replying to that. people. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a real community guy. Always has been ever since I know him. And so when when the when the hounds get released on a media member, like we've all been there, right? Like yeah. we've, we've all been at least on some scale been there, and your heart goes out to them. But um, yeah, I, I think both guys could have played that differently. That's why I, <laughs> I was looking at that. I was like, oh no, oh. I just hope it ends, right? I wake up every morning. I'm like, why am I going onto this app now? I'm not even awake. I haven't stood up yet, but here I go. <laughs> I'm like, please be over. Please be over. <laughs> You're being absorbed by this very low stakes sort of... <laughs> which, maybe, I mean, that's the thing. From each person's perspective, it's not low stakes. I say, but, like, I'm so thin-skinned. Like, I can't handle these things happening to me. I've thankfully never... I don't think I've ever had that, honestly. Like, publicly a fighter, like, had... Like, just, quote, tweet me, like, angrily or something. Um... The few times I've been that told I was getting head kicked once. Who? That was interesting. 
Who told you that? I don't. I don't know if I want to say because it's, okay, it's kind of been. It's a. It's it been. It's been covered over now. That's, <laughs> Nobody okay. brings it up. Okay. But, um, no need. The mysterious yeah. person went, but like, was it a? Cool it was. It was, or a it was. Peter Queeley. It was okay. Peter Queeley, the Bellator fighter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't. It was something like I was talking about a DQ. Yeah. And I said, uh, you know, this the DQ. It feels like you know. Compared to the punches this guy took, the kick seems pretty insignificant. And he was like, I'm going to kick you in the face the next time I see you. I was like, what the fuck? That Jesus escalated Christ, very quickly. Yeah, what? what okay, here, sir, huh? but you might literally kill me, so I would advise. <laughs> like, I don't need that. It's a Tuesday, mate. Everyone take it easy. Jesus Christ. Was it, a, the eggs. was it a reply or a quote tweet? Because I feel like that's it a was big a, difference. I think it was a quote tweet, yeah. I think it was my take and then uh, His, yeah, that's professional worse. fighter telling me. That's worse. Like, I'd be him in a spelling contest, though. What am I meant to reply to that? Like? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I would smoke you, mate. Spelling contest. What are you going to do then? Like, let's meet halfway. Really like let's go like, fishing. Like, it's half... Yeah. <laughs> 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 I get on with the dude so well. It's just... That's fighters. Yeah. Like, they just... They're crazy. Yeah. And it's very crazy. I, I do appreciate the craziness, but... And when we you know, say, like... Is, <laughs> Obviously, and I keep saying it over and over. When we say that, it's just like, absolutely, you need to have something very specific going on with your brain chemistry to be a fighter. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not something that a lot of us are able to do. So <laughs> it's like, it's not in a bad way. We just mean that, you know, fighters tend to have like, a peculiar <laughs> some peculiarities oh, some idiosyncrasies 100 like did you see like i'm sure you've been that uh person before fernando when um say a brazilian report that usually covers other sports comes to america for a fight and mm. you're there and they need to kind of get the ins and outs of the sport like what's this what's that they might ask you a few questions and that's all fine but if you talk to those people after the event, they their minds are blown mm -hmm. by the things they've talked to fighters about um, because they're so open, because they they haven't been PR'd into non-existence like yes. big superstars have been. Yeah. Like I mean, when you, you see NBA players, they're, they're going into the dressing room to interview these guys, but they're so polished, so mm -hmm. media polished, so, yeah. um, so much is put on everything they say that their PR managers or, or, you know, agents or whatever they are, they have them basically just say nothing. If you can yeah, say, absolutely. answer the question, but say nothing. And that hasn't happened in our sport yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we cherish. So I agree with you when I'm saying these people are crazy. I mean, in the most complimentary way I possibly can. Yeah. That's the thing where it goes both ways where we have the conversations about like, why is conspiratorial thinking like, and all that nonsense mm. so prevalent in MMA, I think has to do with the fact that they haven't been PR'd and briefed to death, mm. um, which maybe they could be a little more PR'd and briefed <laughs> sometimes. One agent is going to change the whole game here. If one agent comes in from the NFL and is like, let everyone shut the fuck up when they ask about Flat Earth, okay? It's not a thing. We're not doing it. Not you need to stop. You're scaring the children. Not the Flat Earth. The... the <laughs> I think my biggest claim to fame is like a, a flat earth incident. Um, Justin was that. Yeah. Like I was yeah. interviewing him like during a media scrum and um, he was like, 
it wasn't even scrum because it was just me talking to him and he was like yeah but like none of this matters because i'm just here to like spread the word of like flat earth or whatever and <laughs> you have a microphone i'm like what I, what am i even gonna say about this like so i just said like good for you or whatever and changed the subject and he went back to it so i was like i finished it with, like good luck with that and now i feel like i did the right thing <laughs> but at the his same- hairstyle actually has mad flat earth energy and i'm oh only thinking God. about it right now <laughs> You know, after in hindsight, it adds up. But I do agree with you. I think like <laughs> um, just the 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 fact that we they are so open and that the access is so good is like mainly. I think why I got into MMA and why I was able to make a career. Like a lot of it had to do with I was covering MMA and I was able to get these fighters like these top fighters already at the time, like Ondeso and Damian Maia and Diodo and like the Nog brothers. And not only I was getting access to them, but like they were actually giving me long, good interviews about things, <laughs> like legitimate, real things, not just like whatever brief, they were brief to say about the game or, or everything else. And that's part of what actually uh, drove me to this. Like by then I was, I, I already loved fighting. Like it was kind of simultaneous, both my love for as a fan and as a, a, a journalist, like things happen kind of at the same time. But like the fact that you could actually just call up a fighter and just like having an hour conversation about something was just mind blowing. And I agree with you. And, 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 and that's something people who cover other sports, like when are they going to get to like talk to fucking Neymar about like, things you know it's like the biggest get and one person in the the whole team is going to get that interview once every like five years like it's it's kind of but maybe i'm exaggerating because i don't know how sports works sorry but no i think you're right <laughs> i think you're completely right in what you're saying no i really do um and that's probably be the be the negative that would come along with this like unionization and they'd be all media trained up to the eyeballs <laughs> so they wouldn't like put the union in jeopardy at any stage and yeah you know it's probably something that needs to happen, but but we <laughs> we'll, always, we'll always look back on our days of talking <laughs> to Justin Ledet about flat earth with a, with a single tear rolling down the face and a smile. So we we need to take our conspiracies uh, <laughs> if we want the good conversations. That's that's what you're you're getting out of. But yeah, I feel like there's maybe a healthy middle ground there too. <laughs> who knows if any healthy video girl could be found it will be an MMA of course yes we're known for (laughs) (laughs) for balance and equilibrium and things uh, being met in the middle that's absolutely what MMA a very measured uh, sport and environment in general Do you 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 were speaking earlier about us being similar how we got into it we've had a pretty similar last year or so as well mm. right like with everything that's happened yes um, i wanted to talk to you about that but i was gonna leave the sad stuff for last <laughs> i don't know if it's sad though right because it you're doing for the best. this <laughs> you're doing you're doing fanboy i mean th- like things are and you seem really happy like and the things you're doing are so unique to you and i know it's like for me when when it happened with mma fight with mm. me in 2020 i was devastated i mean jesus mm-hmm. christ I was ringing people, Fernanda, being like, and I'm not talking about like a couple of people. I rang 15 journalists in the sport and I was like, should I do this anymore? Like, is this like, cry- like full on existential professional crisis? <clears throat> yeah, I just was going for a walk like um, around where I live and just ringing people. I was like, no, I need to know, you know, I need to know. Like, should I like, you know, you be honest with me here, you know? And mm-hmm. um, so like I had a full on uh, pure, like an absolute breakdown 
of uh, all my confidence, but it's actually worked out pretty well now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how things are going, but you know, it was a crazy year. How, how did you find it? Cause I mean, I was, I'd say I was all over the place for about three months before I got my feet back under me properly. That's exactly, yeah, you got the amount of months. Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> we went through the same process. Exactly the same process. So for our listeners who might not be familiar, uh, PT was, working. how do they not know our full stories? Yeah. Oh how God. dare they? I don't, they don't mind. Cause like, I obviously <laughs> like talking about myself a lot, but you're out there talking about actual MMA. So uh, who knows? But uh, PT was working for MMA fighting. And honestly, I think that when um, I don't know what is the terminology, because to my understanding, you're like kind of a contractor too, right? Like me, like you weren't a full on employee. Yeah, yeah that was it. Because we're not yeah, in th- the US, so we can't be hired, I guess, in most cases, like full on employees. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's the way it was kind of put to me. And, yeah. and the union had come in. Obviously, Esther had worked so hard on that as well. Mm. Um, at uh, for MMA fighting, so they kind of got a certain amount of protection in the US. Yeah. So that's how it was put to me. Um, but I don't really. It, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me how it happened or why it happened. Yeah. But it's just that. It, it happened. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. What you I was were, I, I, I don't care. Just, <laughs> like, I don't know what's that. Like, you were let go. They didn't renew your contract or uh, what exactly happened there. But like, I think it was very surprising for us on the outside because like you were doing so much. You're very like recognized, and you're doing so much content and stuff like that. So, were you surprised as well when that happened? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, completely shocked. Like, mm. I, I just got an email to say like the the contract wouldn't be continued. Jesus. So I I didn't get any heads up. So I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? I think I rang uh, Guilherme. I think I rang Esther. Freaking the, f- <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> what is happening? And then uh, yeah. So then I kind of I, I finished out the month there, and, mm-hmm. and look, it was. I think the the real the real hurt of it for me was mm. like you know I, I thought oh, I was so nervous about working with Esther and Casey um, yeah. they're because like they're like the legends best. right yeah like I was freaking out like this is the same thing that Ariel had done this is the same thing that we'd seen Shaheen do and Mark do before they left Luke Thomas all these people and you know and there I was working with them but they made it so like after one event I felt like I like they were my best friends you know mm-hmm. um yes that's they we have that uh, that sort of appeal too I love, them. Like, I love them I love them both yeah. Casey's a weirdo I love him I love him too oh man he's uh, the best man, and he Esther's like <laughs> he's amazing and Esther's like the best person that exists like objectively yeah but yes. Yeah, no, so. honestly, like she she held my hand throughout the whole thing. I was freaking out, you know, like really, like really nervous. Couldn't About doing video? Like, yeah, because I'd never done it before. Yeah, but they relatable. just they made it feel so easy. And then it just it, it was handy, you know, like mm-hmm. I, they, they made everything so perfect. And then I felt we had an event, um, we went to McGregor Cerrone. Um, and I've been on the outs with the McGregor camp because yeah. I made that video going through the streets of Dublin asking people how they felt about Connor. How did Connor. McGregor call you? The, the streets guy? The guy on the streets? The guy on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> Try, trying to catch some tricks out here on the streets in my hot pants. Hey, what do you think of Connor McGregor, baby? <laughs> the guy on the what do you streets. Think? Oh, yeah. So, uh, no, I'm since I'm 18, but however. Yeah. Um, but. That was that was it. We went over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was with Jose as well. Was there, so it was kind of two of us on camera. It was very exciting. I felt like it was all going in a good direction. Now I was mm. I was fairly, 
you know, stressed out by the whole thing as well. But it was a really big opportunity, something I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then I guess that's why I was surprised. I, I felt like it was working out really well. But, you know, that that's where I probably was at with it for a long time afterwards. Like, why now? Mm-hmm. Why now? Yeah, uh, I'm guessing the global pandemic thing had something to do with Don't, it. never heard of it. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I like, so here's the thing. My, my thing was a little, uh, different since, and this is, you asked, that's why I'm answering listeners. This is not me making it about myself. No, I want to know. <laughs> I genuinely want to know. Um, so I was with the athletic, like there was the first sort of purge, which to me was the most traumatic. Cause it was like the rapture. Like everybody just dropping off slack, like flies, because like we had just published the survey um, the fighter survey that was like the, one of the coolest things I've ever done, like professionally. It was awesome. And we hadn't even finished publishing the publishing like the last piece or something, and uh, we just found out that half our team was gone, including oh. our editor uh, Dan Stupp, um, who brought Legend. me along. Um, yeah, and it was like just and it, and it felt so random. Uh, like who? Why did? these people leave because i wasn't out there in that first i stayed so i and i talked about this with like ben stuff i don't i don't know about them i got like survivor's guilt obviously with the due proportions but like in my mind i'm like why is chuck fucking mindenhall out of this team and chad dundas and josh gross and then stop and i'm here and i'm like this makes absolutely no sense i think it was because i was cheaper probably <laughs> logically <laughs> Don't thinking. Say that. Oh my God. <laughs> and i was in but a it's similar, right? like you're, you're into the dream team you you guys were the dream yeah. team right it was one of the most exciting things that had happened in the mma media landscape in a long time like, even though we lost some amazing people to it it was exciting to see this kind of traveling Wilburys mm-hmm. of of uh, MMA writers it was together, insane so. it was insane like when Dan invited me over and he was like oh the team is like this this and that. like don't say anything yet because it's not public but the, I was like why are you calling me this is like the you don't need anything else like this is per like and so I was part like you said of the dream team for yeah I'm not saying it was perfect because I don't think any professional experiences are but like mm. When, uh, and like, I'm like just a person with several like anxiety and depression issues of my own. So, but like when, when, the that happened, like it was already really bad. Like it was just weird. Like we became like three people and then, uh, another editor, Greg, who was in boxing was brought in. Um, but I was still there on the team and it was just weird. Right. Cause we went from having this full staff and this like sort of Liberty to do everything because we were so well staffed that nothing we could afford to like investigate mm. for months and whatever, like weeks or whatever. Um, and then what happened with me was a little later, they changed um, the way my contract was. So they didn't quote unquote fire me. Um, but it was like, we, I like, I got paid a certain amount a month like just for being on staff. And then it was like, oh, we would be open with working with you on like a a story-by-story basis, basically. Mm. Um, So it wasn't like a cut, like, but it wasn't like, it was very different. And at that point, I was just so bummed about the whole situation and the way it happened that I was like, like you (laughs) for three months, exactly. (laughs) 
punching walls and screaming at people. Why do you even know? You don't know me. You dedicated 10 years of your life to this fucking nonsense. And now you're toxic. Nobody wants to touch you because you've been covering this dumbass book. But I, I was lucky because the day I announced my departure, Danielle Riandu, my current editor, she she DM'd me and she was like, I would be very interested in having you at Fembyte. So I was very fortunate. Wow. Like in a situation I've heard that, nothing but amazing things, by the way. Oh, she's amazing. But she was like, and so, but I was in such a dark place. I felt like so like miserable. Like, oh my God, like can this this like feasible? Like, can we actually be media? Like, what am I doing with my fucking life? And I got yeah. super depressed. Uh, I went back to Brazil cause I was here with my now, now husband. Uh, but I went back to Rio for a little bit and I was, I, t- I talked to Danielle. I was like, I would love to continue this conversation, but right now I'm just like too fucking depressed. <laughs> like I'm just. Well, fair play to you for saying it, you know, because it, yeah, like, I mean, it, it's, I, I feel like me and you are similar because we're probably waiting for this opportunity to come along for so long yes. and then it does. And then you can't even get comfortable with mm-hmm. it. Right. Like you, you didn't even get the time to really enjoy it because yes. for me anyway, I was just constantly like, this isn't going to last. It's like, I feel like I, I like I imagined it into reality. My, my, the end of my tenure with MMA fighting. You know what I mean? I was so paranoid about it. I was like, you know what? I'm fucking sick of listening to you, PT. It fucking happened. You're gone, mate. Fuck off. I feel like that's that softened the blow a little bit for me because I was like, you know what? Obviously, the other shoe is gonna drop at any second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, that's that's what I'm working on at the moment. Try to be a bit more positive about myself. Um, not, I'm not there yet. Don't get me wrong. But, <laughs> but you're trying. That's that's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> How long were you with fighting though? Before three years, nearly to the day. I think when I finished, I think it was so. It was like two years and like eleven months. I think. But the position had changed drastically, obviously, because, you know, I, I used to just be the European beat guy, mm-hmm. as you said earlier, just basically news, news, news. Yeah. And then I was kind of, then it became, you know, you're flying around the world with the the full team there, the like Esther and Casey, the dynamic duo, and then mm-hmm. Jose as well. So, you know, it felt big, you know, having watched MMA for my whole life, you know, that, that felt really big. And I'm sure, obviously, the same with you getting onto the athletic team was absolutely outrageous at the time. That, that's the one thing that hurts me with the athletic thing. I wanted it to be this amazing story of mm-hmm. these people coming together and, and it happening. And I just feel like maybe if they could have given it a bit more time, and I know that wasn't an option for a lot of people, but it just, you know, that that's how I feel about the athletic thing. I just wish it, wish it had been given some room to breathe because I, I thought, especially with the survey thing, which I was lucky enough to get involved with through Dan Stupp, um, only towards the end to get some European surveys done, yeah. as we do. Mm-hmm. But it was really seemed like it was going in the direction that no other publication was trying to do or even was aware of doing you know yeah and the the thing is like it really upsets me because we heard a lot of the like oh this is just like an unsustainable like system like this basically Mm -hmm. people were saying from the the jump like this is too good to be true like oh you're just giving people like freedom and time to do things that they actually like doing and you're paying them for it like ha (laughs) it's like the fighter (laughs) painting these animals are gonna get to think now oh my god what's next pretty much and I was like you know it felt like that was sort of the prognosis from people like from the start and I was like no like this is sustainable like there can be a way for 
for journalists not to be fucking miserable all the time. And it's like, is there? <laughs> you sure? Whoopsie daisy, I guess. But I mean, the athletic is still operating and, um, they have a bunch of other sports and stuff. Um, so I'm, I don't even know how good they're doing like numbers wise, but like they're still going. So I'm yeah. still not willing to go and say, Oh, this is an unsustainable model. I think that it, it doesn't have to be, and it maybe isn't, and maybe just MMA wasn't paying off the way that they wanted, but this doesn't really is an indictment of the system in general. Just, you know, there are several ways we can think about that, but that was like the main thing. And it was like, you know, the sport stopped like as well. Like I know it was yeah. back quicker than everyone, but Jesus Christ, those yeah. few months when nothing was happening, and I it think that was absolutely terrifying. Oh man, it was terrifying. But to me, it was I'll be like, waking up, please, please, something happened. <laughs> give me something to justify my existence on this roster. Give me something in Europe, something in Dublin, preferably. I'll go down with my camera. Anything, Connor? Come on, I need you to do something crazy. <laughs> To me, though, that brief moment was awesome because it's kind of like, Dan, can I just like do a bunch of fighter workouts and like rate them? And he was like, sure. You go. There's literally do nothing anything else. You can. Anything. I did one like I used to do like my fight night guides. Like, and I, I, I was like, can I do a fictional one, which is like basically <laughs> fighters facing characters. And I had like Masvidal facing Stallone's Cobra and like... And he was like, of course, that sounds like a suitable thing for the current landscape. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you know what? I like this no sports thing. And then it ended up becoming uh, my beat with with, uh, Fanbyte. So it all worked out for for the best. And it did for you too, right? Because then, but how long was it before you got the call? Uh, Because now you're with both uh, The Ringer, right? Doing like the Spotify Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, and and uh, that's... Yeah. And, and MMA on, on point, point on, yeah. on YouTube, which is something I've never done. Like, I mean, that's the first, like, I mean, I was very lucky that those guys reached out to me. I, I had seen a few things that they did online, but I was looking at it going like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not for, like, they had Tommy Toehold doing the narration and yeah. stuff. And Jesus Christ, I was eviscerated <laughs> the first few times doing the voiceovers. Because Tommy's like an actual cartoon. Yeah. Like, that's not me. Like, he is larger than life. He speaks. This is the the voice of the MMA fan, mm-hmm. basically. Like, and he's funny. He's hilarious. Yeah. And then I'm going in to do these biography pieces where I'm talking to fighters about these challenges on the on the lead up to the camp that don't have a lot of jokes in them. My <laughs> voice is monotonous. I don't sound like an American. Like, uh, it, but yeah, that's part it, of it was, that's what's cool about it. Like, your accent also gives yeah. it a little little something. Yeah. Well, I'm just because I've never done anything like it. So, I mean, like them, them scripts for these videos are like 3000 words. So you're doing a 3000 word feature before you commit to doing the voiceover. And look, anyone who's listened to this podcast today clearly understands that I don't speak that well. So it takes me about five <laughs> hours to make the voiceover Come and edit on. that. So it's uh, it's definitely something new, but I'm so glad it happened because it's opened my eyes to a whole different spectrum here because these guys, they they would have never been in the conversation with an MMA fighting, an MMA junkie, the athletic, yeah. you know, all of these things, ESPN. But what they've done on YouTube, like, it's, they're, really- the, it's mental. It's fucking, yeah. I, I can't believe the views these guys get. It's unbelievable what they've done. Um, so I, I think they're great entrepreneurs and great visionaries, just things that I haven't seen in the sport before. So yeah. um, that's why I was excited to, to work with them and I continue to be.
And that's the thing. Like I, I am a fan, by the way, of of their content exactly because I feel like there's a lot of like top things or like even top five fighters who did whatever. Like <clears throat> which, a lot of lot of lists. Yeah, a lot I don't of know lists. How the, they how do they still think of lists? Or I like, don't, how, like I don't know. They have amazing, and it's Tommy. Like it's it's the guys who are narrating them that are doing them. The guys who created the yeah. site, the owners of the site, are the guys who are, who are making these lists. And every time you go, like every the three times a week, I see them go up, and I'm like, how do they even think of these lists at this stage? Like they've done an amazing amount of them, but they still have this huge click rate and huge watch rate. It's it's really impressive. The, the, I often watch the lists of like find inspiration for my own stuff. Because I, I'm always like in awe of the creativity. I'm like, I've never even thought about this. Like, it's a whole theme. But um, for you, like uh, going back to the Tom Aspinall video that we we were talking about, like, which is basically you showing Tom Aspinall, who seems like a very cool dude, by the way, um, American beers and asking him about his career. Like, it's not like it's not MMA content. It is. But like, and I, to me... We watched it like after, I think it was after PFL. Um, and to me, I was like, this is exactly the kind of stuff that I want to watch at this point of my be- involvement with MMA because we kind of have seen literally everything else. How is <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's, and, and it can be done. It could have been not great if like you weren't charismatic or if Tom sucked at it, or whatever. But like it wasn't. It was a really cool video. But for you as somebody who was like sort of on the beat and on the grind and on having to do all those like fucking thousand stories a day because I was in that place as well with MMA junkie, like how cool is it to f- be able to do something different, to be a little more creative? I don't know. I would imagine I've gone through a lot of burnout with MMA through my career. So to me, being able to do like more fun things has been really key to me even still being here. So I guess I wanted to hear like doing those different things. How how has that been like emotionally and mentally for you after all these years in MMA? If it like, you know, I, I rarely see, um, you know, a piece of content that I've done and I see it come out. Usually like I'll see the notification on Twitter. And I'll throw my phone over to the other side of the room and I'll bury my head and I'll be like, I'm not even looking at this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even way. looking at this. I'm going to retweet and fucking throw it like a grenade across the other side of the house. And just go staying the fuck away from that. I'm the same way. I I love that you're saying this, honestly. I feel vindicated. (laughs) And then, uh, so to do this, and I can remember the Aspinall, and I hate looking at myself on on camera of some complex, like, uh, about seeing myself. I got used to my voice. That took a long time, too. Yeah. Now seeing myself in the videos is fucking really weird for me. And it was one night me and Elaine watching TV, and the lad said to me, this is going up at six. We watched whatever we were watching. And I said, here, will you watch this with me, watch this video? And when it came on, I was like, this is actually great. I'm actually really happy with this. And that, that happens so, it doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. And the, sa- the same with Paddy Pimblett. We did a video with him about personalities and, and things like that. And it's just, I just feel very proud of the the level of comfort that the, the fighters have around me. And mm-hmm. I think it's, when it's on camera, it's a lot easier to see than in a written piece. Um, even though I think that's benefited me in the past, but that's what I really like about them. We have lots more of them planned. That was actually what I was meant to be doing from the get-go with them when I signed in December, but it was just the travel restrictions yeah. even between the UK and Ireland were so bad that I, I just couldn't make it happen. So now that things are opening up a bit, um, I really hope that we can do more and probably spread our wings a bit further than just the UK and Ireland, get to European countries. I know that's probably uh, you know a bit further in the future, but 
you know, I'm excited by the by the thoughts of being able to do it. And yeah, of course, it it feels very different than you know waking up at. 7am and just scouring through what's already gone up what hasn't been touched you know is this interesting let's get a list together of this and that like i I think that's that's a recipe for burnout i think i was probably facing like in the midst of that for a long time and i didn't really realize i was Mm -hmm. so now being able to take the the foot off the gas to a certain extent and really think about what you want to do that's really exciting to me and it brings other difficulties right because you have more time and more freedom and that also has a different type of pressure like you need to actually have good ideas which <laughs> is something i yeah, found out Jesus. at the athletic i was like oh i need to have ideas now <laughs> things don't just appear and i have to like handle them like i can't just write about the swing that mcgregor tweeted uh that's a challenge yeah, and it's like, do, do you get guilt about that as well? Like because oh, because it came from the environment where you're just plowing through. Like you, you oh, if I write eight pieces a day, I'll be able to feel good about myself. And now it's just like, as you say, like the idea needs to be good. Like you need to have ideas. You need to have people willing to be talking to you. But it just doesn't feel the same because I'm not absolutely destroying myself every day to do it. If you get me, yes, <laughs> because of that. Yes, all the time. Whenever I'm not working, and it's a lot because I'm not like now I'm not in front of the computer all the time. Part of having ideas is watching other things, is taking a walk around, is listening, right? Like it's non active necessarily effort. And I'm all the time, I'm like, ah, man. I should be working. And then I look at, like, I think about a friend in media and I'm like, they're probably buried in this computer. <laughs> and I'm here <laughs> chilling, watching whatever ranking uh, MMA on point put out this week. <laughs> yeah, but you get that as well. Like, you're like, oh my God, if, if they only knew this is what I was doing. Oh my God. I would It'd be, be the end of me. <laughs> Nobody would ever follow me on Twitter again. They would know I'm a slob. Oh, I knew. I was sitting here in a bath, drinking, thinking of ideas with a whiteboard. It's funny. It's funny you mentioned it because I was thinking like I had that guilt watching your content. I was like, oh, look at PT. Like, because I was writing like the intro. I'm like, look at him go. Like all this content, all this stuff. And here I am being lazy about shit. So if it's any consolation, you're fooling everyone. No, it is. Yeah, it's absolute <laughs> consolation. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's really exciting. Like even even this Spotify thing we have coming out with The Ringer, mm-hmm. uh, with myself, Ariel Hawani, and, and Chuck Mendenhall. They're like two, like I, I was reading these guys as a teenager, like I'm going like, Jesus, imagine, imagine if I could do that one day. And now you're on a podcast with them. Like it's... It's, it's incredible. I can't wait for it, you know, because I learned so much from them already. And I think it's it's going to be a great thing. We're actually kicking that off mm. next weekend for the till fight. Oh, awesome. So it's exciting. You know, it's it's just yeah. all very exciting. I don't know how it's going to. I'm trying not to, to worry the, about yeah. it like I did with MMA fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely I have to I have to train myself to do that because there's always it's always creeping in. <laughs> but that's a good thing about having like things that you want it end. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I survived that. So if this other thing's yeah. end, thing ends, I'll probably survive that too. That's kind of like... Yeah. Oh, 100% we're gonna We just need to... It's just for drama, really, isn't it? Yeah. But the, the thing, the lesson here uh, is that good prevails. <laughs> that evil loses. I'm, I'm kidding. MMA fighting is I thought evil that's what we're going for there. It's like, oh no. Are you going to make evil? me do the COVID line? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, what COVID line? <laughs> 
the McGregor good over evil oh. and then COVID and I thought that's what we're sizing no. up for there I was like I can't do this I can't play the Irish role no. <laughs> I will not be typecast I would never I would never um, I will spare you from the now I remember uh, it was the video right he put yeah yeah let's 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 forget that ever happened uh, <laughs> I wish I could wasn't the one like <laughs> like complaining about the lockdowns or something no, this was the one uh, about Habib's dad, remember? Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yes. That's even worse than what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think. I did it not. Could get worse, but I guess what? I didn't. Yeah, so I uh, usually try to end on a positive note, but unfortunately that's uh, ruined for us. Focus on the other nice things that we talked about on this show. Pizza, thank you so much uh, for, for joining me today. Before we go, is there, we talked about your endeavors, but is there anything in particular you want to plug to our listeners just the ringer mma show starting next week uh with myself ariel and chuck mendenhall i will say things every six minutes when <laughs> and uh, i am happy to be a passenger for as long as they'll have me <laughs> so please please check it out <laughs> good gig if you can get it uh <laughs> thank you so much again thank you to our listeners thank you to our amazing producer slash editor slash angel on earth uh jordan thank you i always thank like a random person at the end um let me thank you first for having me on of course oh okay uh yes you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) now random person (laughs) no i guess i'm the random person today i will take it Uh, I'll thank uh, Alex Trebek, the uh, host of Jeopardy, who died, because uh, I sometimes think about how he's dead and it makes me sad because he was awesome. So <laughs> I'll thank him point too. To make. It's a good It's important. Somebody needs to say it. It needs to be said that Alex Trebek was a treasure to us all and we never for a second deserved him. Uh, this has been the best camp of my life. I will see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>